Welcome to Bookstore Explored, the show where we go behind the shelves with booksellers to find out what makes indie bookshops such magical places. I'm author Matt Browning, and today we visit the westernmost bookstore in the United States. Ed Justice opened Talk Story Bookstore in Hanapepe, Hawaii in 2004. Now, what inspired him to leave his home in Virginia and move to Hawaii with next to nothing is really a fascinating tale unto itself. So I won't give away too much here, other than to say it's a bookshop origin story like none other I've heard. So come along as we go bookstore exploring. Ed, welcome to Bookstore Explore. Thanks for joining me today. I think we're at number 28, episode 28. Thanks for having me. And I I was very intrigued by your shop's um, tagline or slogan, the westernmost shop in the U.S. So, westernmost United States, yeah, true. T- tell us tell us uh, where you're located. Let's start uh, there. We are in Hanapepe, Kauai, Hawaii. Uh, which is one of the westernmost islands in the Hawaiian chain. Um, and we started the store in 2004. And thankfully, we're still here today. I like to uh, I like to sort of set the scene for our listeners and have my guest kind of walk us through the, the physical space and the layout of the shop so they can sort of visualize what we're talking about. So, so can you do that? Can you start maybe at the front door and walk us through the space? Sure. Um, So the building we're in used to be the old Yoshiura General Store. And uh, the building was built in 1930. It's an old plantation style structure, single wall construction. Um, It has sort of that old West feel. When you look at it from the front, it's got the front facade uh, with the storefront name painted on the top with an awning on the front. Um, It's probably the only black front building in the entire uh, county of Kauai, but it just seems to work. And there's large plate glass windows that you can see books through the window, through the shop and everything. So um, our space is fairly small. I'd say it's 1,500 square feet, um, but it's got nice tall ceilings. And we have about 25,000 different things in there. So in addition to books, of course, new books, used books, we do have vintage and rare books. We also have comics, vinyl records, old video games, and a variety of other related merchandise and um there's not really like a lot of uh sitting space we have like one or two chairs that people are can sit on for a few moments but pretty much it's just a lot of bookcases (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i was i was you know doing my due diligence to learn about the shop before we started recording and the origin story so to speak is really cool so i i found this one sentence and this particular story had a paywall, so I didn't get further than what I'm about to read. <laughs> so I don't get it, any royalties from that. <laughs> it's a very intriguing setup. It said he was faced with either paying rent for the month on the new bookstore. He had just been given the opportunity to start or to pay rent for his apartment. <laughs> so yeah. so tell us how how the shop came about. Um, so it's a little bit of a long story. So. I That's came okay. Kauai, yeah, I came to Kauai in 2002 just on a visit. And when I got here, it felt more like home than any place I'd ever been. I'm originally from Virginia myself. Um, I'm from West Virginia. So, okay. Well, you know, it all used to be Virginia at one point. It did. It did. <laughs> so, um, 
when I got there, uh, I started selling on eBay for a living uh, just to pay the rent and bills because I basically decided to stay. I didn't send for anything. I didn't go back for anything. I just started over with a few hundred dollars in my suitcases and found a place month to month. And then went around to garage sales and picked stuff up. They sell it on eBay. Of course, this was like 2002, 2003, when you know, not everyone and their grandmother was selling on eBay. Mm-hmm. So um, it helped pay the rent and bills for a while. And then I moved to the west side of the island in a small town called Hanapepe. And I got to know a landlord couple. And they had a small for rent sign in their window uh, in a shop. Not the current shop we're in now, but actually a another shop uh, about a block down the road. And as I was talking with them about uh, just kind of getting to know them, getting to know the neighborhood, um, I saw the for rent sign and they said, oh yeah, we're trying to find someone to rent this space. And they basically offered me a space free for a month to start a business. And at the time I was like, well, at least I would get my eBay stuff out of the house and maybe I might have a chance to sell more stuff to customers who would walk in. And so I took the opportunity. I said, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And so when I moved all the eBay inventory into the shop, it obviously seemed to be more like a used bookstore with a bunch of curiosities. So that's how the genesis of the store was, how it all began. Um, the, after that first month's rent, yes, that's correct. I basically had just enough money to either pay for the store's rent or pay for the place I was living. And so I decided, you know, the store is going to make money, but the house will not. So, but I wasn't totally set on this. I wasn't sure if this was going to be the right thing to do or not. So I ended up going to, there's a famous Hanapepe swinging bridge. It's a suspension bridge that crosses over the Hanapepe River. And a lot of visitors will, will stop by there and take photos and whatnot. So I went over to that swinging bridge and I'm just looking up at the sky going, should I do this? Should I be homeless for the indefinite future and continue the business? Should I, should I actually take this opportunity? And as I asked myself this question, a full double rainbow appears in the sky. And I said to myself, well, that's not a sign. I don't know what it is. So yeah. <laughs> that was it. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to be homeless. <laughs> so I slept in the van for the first month and uh, paid the rent, you know, paid the store's rent and continued on to that. And um, thankfully the next month it made a little bit more money and the landlords offered me, uh, an apartment unit that was upstairs for just a little bit more than what I was paying. And thankfully the store paid more money then as well. And, uh, and yeah, so like I said, to me, I'm just always thankful that the store is still around 18 years later. Yeah. You know? And I had no background in books. I had no background in retail or business. I just kind of learned as I went. And, that was going to be literally my next question. So you had no business, had no prior experience running a bookshop business. Um, I mean, was that an intimidating learning curve? Um, I mean, the whole experience is a learning curve, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. Is just, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about how to how do you file your state taxes. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to how to do any of it. It's just basically learn as I go. And um, thankfully, there had been people that I had got to know uh, over time who had a little bit of expertise in this or that or had some experience doing this. And so they would share some of their their wisdom with me. 
and I would just use that. And um, other times people would come in, customers who had uh, some background in retail, and they would make some suggestions to me, and I would apply those things. And so in a way, the community kind of helped educate me on how I should run a store. And basically, I just decided, I just decided early on, give people what they want, listen to what they ask for. And if they continue to ask for something, just provide it. And that's how the store, I think, has gradually continued to evolve over time. And that's why we started carrying records and why we started carrying comics and video games and all this stuff is because there seems to be an interest in a wide variety of things. And I think that's also part of the philosophy of the bookstore is to have a variety of product and a variety of subjects that's not just limited to whatever I think is interesting because that would be boring. But I think it would be, it, it's really interesting for customers to walk into a place where they can find something that's of interest to them because everyone's interests are different. And I think that's, uh, well, that's all I can attribute to why we're still here. <laughs> the you, gracious you, customers. You mentioned at the top of the show, the, the number of items you have, and it was several thousand. Uh, 25,000 at last count anyway. Yeah. How how long did it take you, do you think, to get to that point of having that much inventory? Because it sounds like you probably started fairly small. Do you ever wish you could sit in on a conversation with some of your favorite authors and listen to them talk about their writing process, their path to publication, and of course, their newest novels? Hi, I'm Marissa Meyer, best-selling author of The Lunar Chronicles, I would love for you to check out the Happy Writer Podcast, where every week I talk with other writers about books, craft, inspiration, and how to bring a little more joy into our lives. The Happy Writer is available wherever you get your podcasts or find us on Instagram at Happy Writer Podcast. True. Um, when I first started the shop, there was about 3,000 used books and a variety of odds and ends. And I didn't carry new books at first. Um, mainly, it was just a secondhand shop. And um, in that first year and a half, we also had a coffee shop with it because uh, the landlord at the time had given us the use of the space next door, which had a small kitchen in it. And so we were serving coffees and cakes and then ended up being foods and lunches and dinners and all this stuff. And um, when we changed locations in 2006, uh, it really helped me realize that contrary to popular belief, coffee shops do not sell that many more books. You can't sell that many more books having a coffee shop than you do just having a bookstore. I find that coffee shop bookstores sell coffee and food. They're basically a restaurant like with a nice backdrop of books. And that works for some people. Some people love that. But like for me, I was happier just selling books <laughs> just a interesting product to sell and i didn't have to worry about it expiring except for like current event books or tax guides things like that but um i found that there's how do i say this it's interesting the types of bookstore businesses that there are um because some people want to have the cafe part and some people want to do the bookstore part and some people can do both successfully, but they are really like operating two completely different businesses. And um, I've always so, found that to be true, especially what yeah. you said about, you know, the, the bookstore coffee shop sells more coffee. 
to pre- it does absolutely i mean this is part of the issue that borders was having before they went bankrupt um is that they they kind of made themselves too comfortable you know they made themselves a lounge and the, the cafe was like one of their biggest money makers and it just uh yeah they made a lot of money on food <laughs> <laughs> people don't think about oh borders and food but yeah it was definitely definitely uh, synonymous um so to get back to the inventory question um when I changed locations in 2006 into the spot that we're in now, that um, that was when I started carrying more like brand new handbooks because um, I was getting more and more requests because we were a little bit closer to the center of Hanapepe. And um, it wasn't until 2012 that I started carrying regular uh, new books, new books from new publishers or new but new books from publishers, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And that's when I noticed. Um, and the reason for that was because borders had gone bankrupt prior to that. It was just a lot easier to just send people to borders and try to not, I didn't have to compete with borders because how could I, right? There was just no way. And it made more sense than when borders closed. Okay. Let's try some of these new books and see how that works. And that seemed to work. It seemed, we seemed to fulfill uh, or fill more of a demand that was out there. So our shop is probably more balanced now of about, I'd say about 30% new, 70% used. Um, And that includes like the vintage merchandise and all that. But over the years, it's been a lot of people have discovered us on Island. So they bring us their product and we give them store credit. uh, And that has generated a lot of inventory of books. I mean, I spend most of my day just kind of sorting through books, not even sorting, just going through people's books that they bring in and then giving store credit and then trying to price the books. And, you know, I always tell people, if you, if you think you want to read for a living, don't have a bookstore. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get to read that much. I I think there is the misconception that the shop owner just sits behind the counter reading waiting for a customer to come in. <laughs> yeah, maybe if they're retired, I guess, but yeah. That's so much for that's so much for me. So but was it the growth in in your inventory is that what required the move to the to the second location? No, that was because the um the landlords had finally sold the property that the bookstore had. and so the new people who moved in, they took over the cafe space and they had like a a wholesale um food manufacturing business. And it it just didn't really work out it well anymore. Um, so I I just said to myself, look, I'd I'd rather not be in this space than continue the way it's going. And thankfully, I had met the lady who used to rent the space that we're in currently, and she um, had the landlord's number. And like, there was no for rent sign in this building. It was empty for a year. And I said, well, do you mind if I? give them a call. She's like, yeah, sure. No problem. So she gives me the number and I call the lady and she's like, Oh yeah, I've heard about your shop. Sure. Oh, you want to come down? Oh yeah. Well, how does this much amount in rent sound? I'm like, great. Okay. <laughs> and so within like a matter of a couple of days signing a lease and it was in a, in a new building. And, uh, but it's, I'm grateful to be in it because the building's got a lot of character. It's an interesting spot. Um, like I had mentioned before, it was the uh, Yoshiura general market which started in the 1930s and then continued on all the way up into the 1990s. So historically it has a lot of um, uh, history in the community. 
as many of the Hana Pepe shops did, but a lot of local residents will come in and go, oh, I remember when this was this place. And they had bolts of fabric in the back and all the ice cream in the back room. Oh, I used to steal penny candies from the old man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you, cool. how did you, how did you choose the name? Uh, I didn't, um, I didn't know what to call it. I just didn't want it to be something trite like Paradise Books or Garden Island Bookstore. It just needed to be something with some character. And I just, I didn't know what to call it. Mm-hmm. So um, I had put it out to the community at large, just the people in town or customers because uh, there was for a period of about so like a couple weeks um as i was loading the books into the space before the rent started in the original location um it was sort of a soft open prior to our grand opening and um i would just ask people oh we don't know what to name it yet so if you got any ideas let us know and some at some point somebody came back with us to go hey how about the name talk story and i was like that's it, because talk story is a local colloquialism. Um, it's a pigeon phrase, which means to chat. More formally, it means to share stories. And so um, I figured that every book's got a story to tell. So talk story bookstore just seems to connect. And it just felt absolutely right when somebody mentioned it. Yeah. We're still it using does. it today. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like the community has really embraced you from the start i mean has that sort of been the case um yeah as i would say it's mostly i would just say it's more about individuals from the community i just certain you know certain numbers of different people over time um over time the the island has come to know that we're here i'd say especially more after borders closed but i i'd still say there's probably at least a third of the island that has no idea we exist at all um but mainly that's because we're not in this, we're not in the center of um, act, action in Kauai. Uh, that's in, um, there's a town in called Lihue. That's where like the airport is and all that stuff. So I think because we're on the West side, it tends to be more, um, not, a lot of people won't necessarily, if you live on the North side, you're not necessarily going to drive all the way to the West side. Cause it's like an hour and a half drive. Mm-hmm. So um, there are still folks that don't know we exist, but, yeah, for I'd say for the most part, a lot of members of the community came in and would give ideas and support and try us out. And if they like us, then they should come up, come shop again. Um, you know, so I I'm grateful for it. I mean, if it wasn't for people sharing their thoughts and wisdom, I wouldn't be here today. Do you do a lot of of community events? Like you have author signings or you know book clubs or any of that kind of thing. Um, no, I don't do, I mean, we do have author signings. So the town um, has a weekly Friday night event that happens. Uh, it's been going on for the last 20 years and it's called Hana Pepe Friday Art Night. And there's lots of music and vendors and food. And um, we will have, we do have an open invitation for authors that want to do book signings um, on Friday nights because there's hundreds of people that show up rather than having to promote a, a single author a single author's event. Um, but we have had authors do book launches and things like that too. Um, there's a lady coming up now, Lynn Liao Butler, who's launching a book, a thriller on Kauai. And so she's going to be doing a book launch here. And then um, we have worked with like the Kauai's, Kauai Writers Conference when they've had events and helped 
uh, sponsor some of their things. Over the years, I've helped throw some community events. Uh, like I think there was a Christmas festival. There was an All Wheels Expo. There was all kinds of things here and there that the bookstore has done or at least helped out in. But um, yeah, mostly we, we just don't really have a space for like book talks. Um, mm -hmm. I think because the site 1,500 square feet and it'd be mostly bookcases, it's difficult to fit a crowd in there and have them stand <laughs> and listen to someone behind the desk. So Well, it sounds like you pack a lot of inventory into that 1,500 square feet. Yeah, we I mean, we tried to keep it as neat as possible. Um, I don't like having piles on the floor. I don't like having boxes in the way of customers. I, I much rather prefer people having a clean, uh, easy to navigate shopping experience because that's what I would want customer. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think, I think part of the benefit is that we do have tall ceilings. So it helps when we have tall bookcases that we can fit a bit more things on there. Um, but at the same time, I'm also very selective on the, the quality of the merchandise that comes in. So like if the book is too tattered, um, too aged, then maybe I won't carry it. Um, you know, I'll try to donate it if, if absolutely if it's possible. And then there's, uh, but then I think that's kind of the fun thing is, is having the secondhand stock. And we do have a lot of vintage things. And so we do try to take care of those things by putting them in like plastic and you know, featuring them because there's a lot of interesting um, uh, character behind older books, uh, vintage books that people are, I think, discovering. And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's nice to see people talk story when they come into the shop. <laughs> and they go, oh, you remember this? Oh, I read this when I was a kid. And blah, blah, blah. It's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> so what, what kind of books tend to sell well? Um, well, because we're in Hawaii, Hawaii books, naturally, mm -hmm. right? Um, we, I'd say 70, probably about six, 80 to 80, about 80% of our business is probably tourism. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you, I, we do actually checked our list of like, what was the top 10, um, books. And so the first top five, or the, I should say most of the top five are all like Hawaii history books and mm -hmm. things like that. Funny enough though, the number one seller in our shop was, um, a book that my wife and I, uh, actually my wife created called Mochi Celeste Goes to Hawaii. So it is a Hawaii-themed book, but it's just basically a book about our bookstore cat and uh, going to Hawaii and just kind of being totally miserable about everything. And <laughs> it was As cats often are. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Mochi Celeste is like one of our top-selling things ever, and we had no idea that um, that our cat would become so popular. In fact, our cat, Celeste, she passed away uh, last February. Um, her name was Celeste. And she had a, her own Instagram. It was more popular than the bookstore's Instagram. And so she ended up gaining quite a following and she would trend on Reddit and um, had like, it's just ridiculous. I think she had like 17,000 likes one time. And it's just wow. like, okay. And she's just glaring. <laughs> glaring at customers glaring at everyone people are like oh she's so cute and she's just glaring at them hateful <laughs> oh she's so sweet I'm like yeah just don't touch her <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm sorry she passed that's yeah we'll miss her but yeah, her cat I, is lives on i went i went through that last february too it is not an easy thing to deal with yeah yeah well, they become part of our family you know she was she was there longer in my life than any one person. I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about. Even my parents. I mean, who would have thought?
Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that's like the top seller stuff is um, mostly Hawaii. Uh, number six was the Jason Momoa coloring book. That was very mm-hmm. popular. Yeah. <laughs> people seem to like it. Makes people laugh. <laughs> what are some of your favorites to recommend to customers who might come in and say, hey, I'm looking for something to read, but I don't know what, you know, one of the one of the kind of roles of an indie bookseller is to sort of be armed with some knowledge about books that they can recommend to customers. So, so what do you keep in your pocket as a recommendation? The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Um, mainly it depends on what they're looking for. So, uh, if they're looking for fiction, uh, it, I always have to kind of narrow down what kind of fiction are they interested in? So I tend to, I tend to ask people, what have you read recently? And then that will give me an idea of what genre are they interested in? And then I will then be able to focus them towards a particular section or certain titles that I know have come out recently that they might like, or something that we've gotten in that they might like. Um, if they really will ask, like, well, what have you read recently? And I, I said, well, you may not find that interesting. I tend to read mostly fiction. And if they kind of, if their eyes glaze over when I say that, then I'll show them the fiction section <laughs> instead. <laughs> so, um, uh, but some of the books that I've read that I do have a small feature area of things that I really enjoyed. Um, one of the books, probably to me, one of the best books I've ever read is a nonfiction book by Steven Pinker called better angels of our nature why violence has declined and it's an interesting book because it challenges the commonly accepted uh, belief that we live in such terrible times it's never been so bad there's never been such chaos and violence and etc cetera, etc cetera. but just by looking at the statistics over time not statistics but the numbers over time and studying human history over time you see that we actually live in a pretty I mean, there's always bad parts, of course, but overall, quality of life for human beings has improved tremendously, even in some of the worst of situations. So um, it's a fascinating book. It's 800 pages, so you know it's a, it's a daunting read. But if everyone had read, it would read it. I think it would make a it would sort of change the whole discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I, I found it very enlightening. And I just think it's cool, right? We live in a time where we can travel to pretty much any country in the world and not have to worry about getting slaughtered as soon as we get off the plane. Yeah. I mean, I want to read, I'm not familiar with this book, but I want to read it because we know when I've had those kinds of conversations, I sort of lean the way we're talking right now. I'm like, you know, there's not a dinosaur outside my window who's going to destroy me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Times have been worse. 
<laughs> Very much so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it always kind of gives me a chuckle and people go, Oh, it's never been so bad. I'm like, have you read a history? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think we just hear about things a lot faster now, but this is a whole nother, we could do a whole nother show on this topic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this is why I don't bring up the book often just because it's a lot, <laughs> it's a, as they say, it's a lot to get into. Um, another one that I'd like to recommend is a small quick read called how to lie with statistics and it's been around for the last 70 years um and it's one of those books that when you read it you really can't ever look at those numbers the same ever again you know it causes you to become a critic at least for me it caused me to become a bit more of a critical thinker when i just hear information instead of just accepting it as fact even if it may be something i would like to be true i don't necessarily know should i just accept that that's true even though i may agree with it or should I actually dig deeper and find out, is that really the case? And so it's a funny book, actually. It's It was meant to be a comedy, but it's it's a tragic comedy, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good read, actually. Um, I like that one a lot. Another one, um, and this will be my last one, so I don't like run you over the time and anything. Oh, I do know that my listeners enjoy hearing these recommendations. So, <laughs> okay, so, so what's your next one? So the one I also recommend um is a book called the automatic millionaire and it sounds like oh yawn another book about business and i felt the same way when i saw it and i'm like oh i don't know this is i don't know if i should read this but when i read it i found it to be very easy to read incredibly easy to apply and it literally changed my life it's a book by i think his name is um gosh i can't remember the name now but uh it's it's one of these books that I wish someone had given me when I graduated high school, because it's a really great way to build savings and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to pay attention to the money. You don't have to go crazy focusing on stocks all the time or any of that stuff. It's just a simple way to help you build um, savings and also be able to then invest into yourself. And it was just really easy to read and really easy to apply. And it got me out of major debt. I have no debt now. And I attribute it to the lessons that this guy put forth in the book. And it does, it's like a really short book. That's the other thing I like because most of those business books, they just, it's just all business jargon. They just go yeah. on forever and it's, take my seminar, you know, join my <laughs> mailing. And it's like, he doesn't have any of that kind of stuff going on. He's just like, yeah, here's what you do. This is how you do it. It's automatic. Once you set it in place, you don't ever have to think about it. And it's, it's great, you know, because of that book, I, I'm actually a homeowner now. So it's, I'm incredibly grateful. And, and so I recommend it. I give it away sometimes, even to especially young people who are graduating. There was a young man who hadn't quite graduated high school yet. I gave it to him. And 10 years later, he now has a sizable savings and owns two homes actually mm -hmm. now, you know, and that's in Hawaii. I mean, that's, this is one of the hardest places in the world to save up and buy a home. It's insane the price of course that's yeah. happening everywhere now but that's another story <laughs> <laughs> i will definitely i'll definitely put these in the show notes and, and pick up copies myself <laughs> <laughs> did did you mentioned that a lot of your business is based on tourism did the pandemic really you know knock you off your feet for a while or it was incredibly yeah, it was incredibly challenging. COVID was um, 
Yeah, a lot of the decisions that were made during COVID, especially in Hawaii, because we we had quarantines um, that lasted for a year and a half, whereas most other states were open up and maybe had mask policies or whatever. But yeah, here we had quarantines because we just didn't have like the hospital facilities to handle if there was going to be a major outbreak. But that went on for a year and a half. So I was operating the, st- the store at 15% of my revenue. Mm-hmm. And it was it was incredibly challenging. Um, I had to sell a lot of my own personal possessions. Um, we sent back probably like 95% of all the new books that we had in the shop just to try to re- recoup costs. Uh, thankfully, we had customers who had contributed to us uh, some uh, over this time. And we had other people come and support through some financial donations to the shop. Um, and then, you know, thankfully, of course, there was things like the PPP loan, and then there was um, some uh, small assistance from the county and things like that. So we just had to stay on our toes the whole time. I mean, it was it was not easy at all. Um, but we're still here. I mean, I'm just grateful. It, it, if it wasn't for... Uh, the community reaching out and helping. I mean, I even had people reach out and help for me that I haven't talked to in decades. Or I guess must have been aware that the shop was still here. Or and uh, yeah, it was it was not easy. We closed the shop um, for six weeks originally during the first lock the original lockdown, and then um, and then just rode the wave through it. It just we did what we had to do. We tried to put some things online. We couldn't really sell. I mean, a lot of this discussion was, oh, you, you just sell online. You can open up and have an online thing. It's like, okay, well, I've been selling online for years. And that's like maybe, what, 5% of my total revenue. And now I would say it's maybe even less than that. Um, it's it's not quite the same thing, at least for me, because there's so many individual items. It's not like I've got like 100 items with a 1,000 you know, in stock of each, which is easier mm-hmm. to ship. But when you have 25,000 almost individually unique items, you can't just sit there and put all this stuff online unless you've got yeah. like a team of people. It's just, it's a feat. I mean, it's, it's impossible. At least, at least to me, maybe somebody else will go, yeah, I can do it. No problem. But <laughs> no, it's, it's, it sounds very daunting. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it was a lot, but you know, yeah, I think the nature of business is you have to adapt. You have to do what you can to survive. You have to do what you can to meet your customers' needs. And even in the hardest of situations, you just make the best, make the best of it. You know, as they say, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. <laughs> so you're coming up pretty soon on two decades of doing this. And as so, you said earlier, you know, you started with no knowledge. <laughs> do you feel like you've finally figured it out and you know what you're doing? Or are you still kind of learning every day? Yeah, every day is a learning experience. I'm always learning something new. Um, I think that's probably what keeps the business interesting for me is that um, in addition to coming across a variety of information every single day, um, it's just really interesting to constantly learn something new. And I never take, I don't know, there's a lot of things I'm familiar with now that I know how to do now. And there's a lot of... uh, observations I've made that I've been able to make those changes and apply apply those changes. But um, no, I, I think, I don't think I could ever say like, yeah, I know hundred percent what I'm doing all the time. It's, it's just always a learning experience. One of the questions that I always ask 
at the end of each show. And it kind of goes back to when I started doing Bookstore Explorer as an Instagram account six or seven years ago. I would always hear people describe independent bookstores as magical places. Uh, and I and I agree, but I feel like every time I ask this question to a guest, they have such a different response to it. So, so what is your take when you hear someone say a bookshop's a magical place? What does that mean to you? Um, I think ultimately, to me, it's a place where people can feel safe to explore their own interests, because books are some of the most private things you can ever buy. And the most personal purchases you can ever make, because they're a reflection of what's in your mind, of what your interests are, of who you are, and what you seek to know. And there's nothing more private than that. There's nothing more personal than that. So to have a place where people can go and freely explore and not have to worry about something trying to calculate an algorithm to sell you something else, it's a place where they can just be free to explore. And the other fun thing about a bookshop is they get to, it's the joy of discovery, the find of finding things that you didn't know you were looking for. But once you've discovered it, now you're interested. Now you want to know more. And that expands who we are as a person. And so I think maybe that's that sort of experience that they're looking for, that that's hidden synchronicity of life, those moments where opportunities present themselves and you didn't know you were looking for them. And I maybe that's what people are meaning when they say it's magical. Um, I just hope that when I hear it and they say that in my shop, I'm just grateful that they're happy to be there. <laughs> okay, good. I must, we must be doing something right. But yeah, it's it's definitely a it's it's a cool thing. I'm, I'm very grateful for it. You know, it's funny when they say magical place. Um, there was an author, I think it was might have been Larry Niven, who called that feeling of the magical magical place uh, L space. An L space, meaning that particular place that libraries and used bookstores have, where you walk into a place and you just get lost to it. It's like stepping into another dimension. And the other cool phrase I heard someone say once is that books are distilled knowledge, that it's knowledge that someone has taken the time to record and not just be a random splattering of whatever they have to say. It's they've actually focused their thought into a form for you to, sh to enjoy or to share or to learn from. That's pretty fascinating to me. Like I said, I've never had a repeated answer <laughs> to that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, so before we go, and this has been a great conversation, tell us where people can find you, website, social media handles, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, well, we're in, like I said, we're in Hanapepe, Hawaii, in Hawaii. Um, our, Website is www.talkstorybookstore.com. Um, our Instagram, my wife is the one that handles the Instagram. Of course, my wife handles all the really important things. And I'm so grateful for her always. Um, uh, the Instagram on that one, I think, is just Talk Story Bookstores. Is that right? See, she's handing me the phone right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's uh, Instagram handle is talk underscore story underscore bookstore. That's the Instagram. And that handles most of our social media. Um, I think that connects to uh, some of our other things too. So like my wife's uh, design business, Yuriko J Design, 
uh, Mochi Celeste. Also, these are things that were all born from the bookstore that are now businesses as well. Um, so I don't think we have, do we have a Facebook still? I can't remember. I think so. Yeah, we have, we'd have to because we have an Instagram. That's right. Yeah, you can see I don't do social media much. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for joining me today. This is this has been a really nice conversation and I appreciate your time. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate you reaching out. Bookstore Explorer is produced and hosted by me, Matt Browning. Our theme music is Come Right Back to You by Max Hickson. You can follow all my bookstore explorations at bookstoreexplorer.com or on Instagram and Facebook at Bookstore Explorer. And follow us on Twitter at Bookstore EXPLR. Thanks for listening.